All right. Praise the Lord. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to um, Matthew 21, verse 12 through 14. Title of my message is Spring Cleaning. Spring Cleaning. How many have ever, how many do spring cleaning every year? I don't know what it is. Sometimes, maybe it's the, uh, maybe it's during the winter. I don't know. It's cold outside. Maybe everybody's a little bit less energetic. I don't know what it is, but you get certain areas in your house where clutter starts to build up. You know, maybe you have a garage and you have tools and they're just all kind of piled around and you got to go in there and reorganize everything. Uh, maybe it's your kitchen. Maybe you get counters that are covered with all kinds of things and it just begins to build up and build up. Maybe it's your bedroom. You just throw things around and it just gets a clutter. And uh, here's the thing that's very interesting. A soul can get cluttered. And here's the problem with um, things being cluttered. You lose function. Like you, if, if you let it get cluttered enough, your function is really affected. And there are some places that are so cluttered, you can't even function. And so that's what we're going to be addressing this morning as we turn to Matthew 21, verse 12 through 14. It says... Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind, listen to this, then, after Jesus cleared out the temple... Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, let your spirit be all over this message. I pray it be your message and not mine. Let me hide behind your cross, your glory, not mine, Lord God. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a very interesting story. Uh, Jesus is actually, in this story, entering Jerusalem... This is the spring of the year, right? So thus my spring cleaning message, right? Spring of the year, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He's going to very soon be crucified and die on our behalf. And on his way into town, he does something very interesting. He goes to the temple and he finds the temple not the place that he expected it to be. And we're going to begin to discover over the over the course of this message, what is the temple and what is, start forming in your mind what you think this temple is. You know, is it a building? Is it a church? What is this temple? But whatever it is, Jesus takes the time to stop by, walks into the temple, and rather than seeing what it was intended purpose was, the temple had a purpose. And whatever the purpose of that temple was, it was not being accomplished at all. And so whatever it was about this temple, you very, I don't think there's any other time that I can remember Jesus actually having a righteous indignation or really being fired up and almost to the point of being angry. He takes whips in one place and drives them out. Turns over the tables. Can you see this in your mind? Because a lot of people need to see a painting of that. Because, you know, the, the painting they always see is, is, is he's playing with puppy dogs and 
you know, is never really particularly fired up, right? It's always like he just likes everybody. But there are times he gets very serious about certain things, and there's one time that I know that he's very serious, and that is when the temple is not being used for its purpose. And so he walks in, and what he finds is people using the temple to advance their own purposes. There were people there in the temple that began to um, understand that they could make a good profit if they set up tables by the temple because people would need certain things for temple worship. So the purpose of the temple was to worship God. But do you see, they found that I could actually make a little racket here. I could actually... For my own purposes, I can gain a pretty good profit if I set up in the temple so they come to me. And a money changer is just this. They needed to change their currency to another currency so they could change their money there and make a profit. Or they could sell certain sacrificial animals and make a profit. Okay, now we want to really spiritualize this. Now let's follow along. The purpose of the temple was to worship. It was built for that. Jesus knew it was built for that. So he comes into the temple and it wasn't being used for worship. It was being used for their own ambitious purposes. Just remember this. It's good, good groundwork here. Because we've got to figure out what this temple is all about. So he goes on and, and, and you begin to study this and you find something really interesting. In John chapter 2 verses 13 through 17... It says, now this is not the same event because the Matthew 21 event, he's about to die. He goes to Jerusalem. He goes into the temple and he cleans it out, right? Well, this is John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. This is the beginning of his ministry. So whatever is happening at the beginning of his ministry, it's not the same event that happened at the end of his ministry right before his death, Right? John chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. So what season of the year is it? Spring. Okay, again, my title, I like clever titles. Spring cleaning. Right? i got to justify my title. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers were doing business. When he made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured out the changers of money and overturned their tables. He said to those who sold doves, These things, put, take these things away. You do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written. They're remembering a prophecy that the Messiah would be like this. And the prophecy was from Psalms. I can write it down. Psalm 69, I believe. 69, 8. Actually, I got it here. Here it is. 69, 8 to 10. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children, because the zeal... For your house consumes me, and in the insults of you, God, those insults fall on me. Like he took it personal how people treated God. And something about this temple was an insult to God, so Jesus was personally insulted. 
by the way they insulted God. And it says, Then the disciples remembered in John 2 that it was written, Zeal for God's house will eat him up. So something about this temple, Jesus, are you getting this? Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, takes a whip of cords, and he goes in and drives them out of the temple, turns over their tables, goes away, and they're like, okay, he's gone now. So the next three years, it's business as usual, right? Then the end of his ministry, here he comes again in the spring, and he cleans them out again. They're like, oh, no, here he comes again. And he cleaned the temple out again. How many know in the church... In God's church, we need to have some spring cleaning on a regular basis. In our lives, our lives get so cluttered up with stuff. I mean, you know, it's an essential thing for a person who has a clean house to spring clean. I mean, you know, you just can't keep up with everything all the time. So it's really important to have times where you say, hey, maybe I need to do some extra cleaning out because of the clutter. Right? And so this is spiritual checkup time. This is spiritually saying to myself, and here's what I'm going to begin to get into, the temple is your heart. Everything about this temple symbolizes your heart, and God is calling out to you today to check your heart today and see if it's cluttered up or if you're able to function like God wants you to function. And God's trying to say, can you fulfill the purpose I made you for, or is it too cluttered up to even know that I exist? Praise the Lord. That's good preaching. Amen. Now, I know some of you are, I, I was standing at my house last night, and, and James came in, and there were like three or four full turkeys, six hams. I watched him pull those beautiful little animals out of that. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Now, see, I'm thinking about it. It's going to be a good meal, so make sure you're there after church, all right? Good stuff. But we got to focus. God wants us to um, check our lives. So Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry and his end of his ministry, is really worried about this temple. Now, I want to give you a little shortcut of this temple here, just a real simple way to look at it, Okay. God made this temple to symbolize something really, really important, okay? It's a physical building for worship. But then the Bible begins to expand and says all of those are types and shadows for where you're living today. It symbolizes something very practical in your life today. Okay, we got to figure out what that is that it's symbolizing. Now, I want you to imagine Israel was told... They, they literally were supposed to build this building for worship. It was to house the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be in that house. And all this worship was to be done inside of this house. And everybody that lived around this temple, they actually had a, des- a designated area for all 12 tribes. One tribe lived here, one here, one here, one here, one here. And all the way around the temple, temple was the center of everything. So all the sacrifices... We're in that temple. Now, the temple, you can kind of break it down really into two really good areas, okay? This is your heart, all right? It's the, it should be the God, God intended for him to be the center of our heart, the center of our life. They still live lives outside the temple, but that temple was supposed to be the center. God's presence was supposed to be the center of my life. Well, there's two areas there in that temple that are very interesting. One area, one half of it, 
is bloody. Really bloody. And you say, well, man, that's awful. We're having a dinner today. Don't ruin it for me. But do you know that that one part, sacrifices were going up. And all these sacrifices symbolized what Jesus, God himself, promised. These are all examples of what I'm going to do so you have the ability to go into the other part of the temple. And sometimes people will get caught up in the sacrifice part. They say, oh, I want to make a sacrifice. My sins, I want to make a sacrifice. I want to do something for God to show Him like I'm really mean business, all right? And without the sacrifices, I can't go into the relationship. But the other part of that is the more important part. God died not so you could have forgiveness of sins only and repentance only. He died because He wants to know you. And if God can't know you, then what's it all about? If God can't speak with you, if His Holy Spirit can't live in you, what is it all about anyway? And God says, all of these sacrifices want to have this whole bloody thing that's in this one part. This whole thing was there to tell you and scream as loud as I can. I love you with all of my heart. Every one of them symbolizes, I'm going to die for you because I care about you, even though you're still a sinner. And everything about it was to point to him, but that other half of that temple is what I really care about. Because I want to get past the sacrifices. I want to get past all these things that sin has caused me to be away from my God, and I want to actually know my God. And when we stand before the throne of God, the first thing he's going to say is, did you receive my sacrifice? And then he's going to say, do you know me? And I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to hear God's voice in my life. And so what would happen is, after all these sacrifices that point to Jesus' death, all the sacrifices were done away because Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, and he said, now come on in. Come on into my presence. And see, this is where God is calling us. God's calling us into his presence because he wants to. He wants to know us. And he wants to speak to us. He wants to hear his voice. And he wants to, when we walk around in our day, he wants us to say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? What do you think about my life? What do you think about my problems? What do you think about my joys? What do you think about my sorrows? Are you going to walk with me every day? And he says, I'll walk with you every day. And that's what that Holy of Holies, that's what that holy place was all about, experiencing God in your life. How can I experience God in my life by not a single thing that I've ever done but by obedience and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? So I can now enter in. And now God wants to know me. Now look at this. Now we're getting down to here. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He is in you And you have the Holy Spirit from God, and you are not your own. We're starting to figure out the purpose of why I'm on planet Earth. Do you not know that your body was created to be a house for the Holy Spirit? We were created, every man, woman, and child on this Earth was made to be a place that has communion with God every day. Like God wants to walk with me every day. 
And you know the ultimate sin? You say, oh man, I can name a lot of bad ones. Oh yeah, you know, you know, you turn the news on, there's some bad ones. Ultimate sin is God's not allowed in his house. You want to hear the truth? Do you not know that you are the temple of God? 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 17, listen to this. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Every man, every woman, every child, you are God's building. Now what is a building? Something that somebody built. If you're God's building, then what he's saying is, I built you and you belong to me, not of yourself. You say, but I can do what I want. Aha. You can do whatever you want. That's the ultimate sin. I'm his building. I was made for worship. I am a temple of the living God, but I want to do what I want. God, you can't have this house. This house is mine, 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 and I don't care what you think, God. That's the problem with the world today. Too many people took ownership of the house and it's full of devils now. Because you can't be neutral. You can't be neutral. Either God's in the house or it's empty. And they say, hey, come on, boys. We got one. There's no in-between. You say, well, I ride the fence. You can't ride the fence. said, you either love God or love the devil. You're either for God or you're for yourself. And you say, well, I'm just for myself. I don't like devils either. Well, they like you. You can't avoid it. It's a spiritual law. It's one or the other. You can't have two masters. You can't have them both. One or the other. Let me go on. It says, you are God's building according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on the foundation. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is Laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, or any other, this means I'm going to build my life the way I want to build it. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. You can either build it on Jesus Christ, or I can build it my way. And my way is a lot of very temporary materials. Like God's way is, he's going to bless me in this world, and he's going to bless me for eternity. If I build it with gold, it may look pretty, but it's temporary. You know, it's all going to fall down. All the money you're chasing is going to burn up. It's not going to last very long. It might be today, it might be tomorrow, but it's gone real soon. Gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, stubble. You say, man, there's so much materials in this world. I'm going to build a good life. It's a temporary life. And God's saying, build it on me. I'll bless you in this world. And you'll die with far more promises in front of you than you ever had in this world. Praise God. Amen. Amen, Chad. Thank you. Praise the Lord. But listen, let me go on. It says, each one's uh, built with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. If any man builds with that, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each person's work and see what it is. If anyone's work is built on, it endures. He will receive a reward, but if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved through the fire. 
Do you not know that you are the temple of the God and Spirit of God dwells within you? Listen to this. If anyone defiles or destroys the temple of God and doesn't let it be used for its purpose, it says, God will destroy him because the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The ultimate sin just got committed. Every sin that we commit in this world is that. That I didn't want God in my house. And do you see... You say, well, why do people, why is there everlasting destruction? It's because God built the house and you selfishly said, God can't live here. You kicked God out of his house. God had plans and purposes. God wanted to do things through you. God wanted to show you his love so much that he suffered the ultimate pain. He didn't have to do it. There were other ways he could have redeemed us, but he said, no, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to suffer the worst law, the worst punishment and death any human beings ever had. That way they have one choice. I receive him or I reject him. And the ultimate sin is, you say, well, man, it's this or that. The ultimate sin is God can't have this house. I want no part of God in my life. And that's the reason why God comes back and says, you could have given it to me, but you took it for yourself. You built something on it that wasn't even going to last. It wasn't even going to make you happy temporarily. And you took it from me. And you didn't want me in your life. How is that to go through eternity and say, I want eternity without God? You know the problem with wanting eternity without God? Is you'll get exactly what you want. That breaks my heart. I would not want eternity without God. But some people say, God, stay out of my life. I don't ever want you in my life. Better be careful. Because you may get what you want. That's terrible. I don't want to be without God. I want God with me. I want God in me. I want him to come into his house and show me what it was supposed to be. Sometimes you you don't let God in the house and man, it just becomes a mess. I mean, no. It can become a real mess if God doesn't come in the house. It says... The temple, some can take the temple and rather than allowing God to be in the temple, sometimes he can do what we said called defile the temple. It means we can actually do abuse to the temple. How many know that? We can actually take the temple. I want you to imagine that there was this temple and and it was a symbol of this Spirit of God in this house. And I want you to imagine you took that temple and you just said, you know what? I hate God. So when the Israelites are sleeping and they're all in bed, I'm going to vandalize it. You say, well, that's terrible if people do that to churches. People shouldn't do that to churches because that's where God does his business. That's where God is an operation. People are trying to help people and But I want you to imagine that they go to that temple where God's spirit is inside and they just begin to graffiti it and put curse words on it and, and, you know, and begin to make it defiled. Just everything they can possibly, every nasty thing their mind could even think of. They put on the outside of those walls, break windows. And the Bible says that evil abominations come out of our heart. It says that we think of new ways to sin. Evil imaginations just flow from the heart. 
And what God is saying is, that's how my holy place in your heart gets defiled. We wouldn't do it to a building, but the place where the Holy Spirit really wants to be, we do it with our heart. We just throw our heart out there with any nasty, ornery thing, and it just becomes defiled. And what God wants to do is, He wants to do spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Boy, I've got to find my way around this. Praise the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 25 to 27, the Pharisees were a pretty good case study in having a filthy place where God's presence was supposed to be. And you know they were actually religious leaders. People considered them to be religious leaders. And it says this, Matthew 23, 25-27, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, see Jesus shaking his head, cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. Now sometimes we try to do the spring cleaning, right? We say, man, I'm going to clean all this up. And so we dress up real nice, or we go to church, or we try to do everything on the outside to make it look beautiful. And I've done it, man. I've made... Uh, New Year's resolutions, how many have done that? Say, man, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. And uh, here's something really interesting to think about. When I first came to the Lord, I had to first accept God. You know, you have to kind of, how many know you wrestle with this thing, atheist or not atheist? And the Bible says that, that when we come to God, we believe that He exists And he rewards those who diligently seek him. At some point, God said, in order to make man accept me, in Romans chapter 1, he said, man, I've made all heaven and all earth scream that I exist. He said, "I I, I, I make nature scream that I exist. There's no way I could go through a million things in nature. There's no way to believe God doesn't exist when you look at his handiwork, his building. Look at your own body. The functions in our body, we could not build that as a scientist today. I mean, the functions are so um, so incredibly uh, intricate in the details. There's no way that we could design it in a lab today, not even close. We couldn't design just an eyeball even, just because it's so magnificently made. And nature just screams that God exists. And I remember coming to the point where I said, you know what? God exists and He rewards those who seek Him. And I came to the conclusion that, man, I better live my life for God because I want to reward. I don't want Him to say, go away from me. I don't know you. And so I began to accept God. And when you begin to accept God in His fullness, God begins to change your life. But then I came to the next place that I needed to accept. And as I began studying the Bible, I would stay up all night studying the Bible. I'd study and I'd study and I'd study. And from Genesis 
all the way to Revelation, I didn't find a hundred different religions. I didn't find any Buddhist doctrine in there. I didn't find any Hinduism. I didn't find a hundred different denominations. I kept finding one person. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, it begins in Genesis, starts to speak of this Messiah from the first two people on the earth that he would come and he would die for us. And all the way through the Bible, all it said was Jesus, and I came to my next decision I had to make. Am I going to accept all these other forms of religion, or am I just going to believe the Bible and say, Jesus is the one? And I had to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible, that's all it talks about from beginning to end. If you don't know that, you haven't really studied the Bible very much. It's unavoidable. Everything's prophecies about him. Everything's about what he's going to be like, what he's going to look like, what he's going to say, what he's going to do. And then I came to the third hurdle. And I don't know, maybe some of you haven't come to this one yet. But I realized that Jesus was resurrected and sits right now on the right hand of the Father, waiting for the signal to come get us. And folks, it's getting close. I believe it's just right upon us right now. I could go through two hours of prophecy right now of why I think this might be the time God's about to come back. Maybe before our day's even done, it would not shock me if God returned, Jesus returned. But here he is on the right hand of the Father. But somebody said, I got Jesus in my heart. But he's on the right hand of the Father. But he said, when I get to the right hand of the Father, I will send you... Holy Spirit. And he said, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And then I began to read the Bible again and start to look and say, wow, the Holy Spirit created everything that's on this earth through the word of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moved upon every person of faith all through the Old Testament. And now the Bible says, all I have now is the Holy Spirit and he will follow me to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit will fill me I'll receive him when I, when I give my heart to Jesus Christ. He'll fill me with power. He'll fill me with uh, an ability to be pure. The Holy Spirit's going to begin to do these things. But I have to receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, he sends his Holy Spirit. Now you look at the temple that was in the center of everything they did. And the Bible says the Spirit of God filled the temple. Mm, Somebody hadn't connected it. It was a symbol of my heart. And it says the Spirit of God filled the temple. You are that temple. Jesus came into the house of God and he began to see people doing things that were fulfilling themselves, their own ambitions, their own desires, their own advancement. And he walked in and he said, this is supposed to be a place that's full of the Spirit of God. This is supposed to be a place of worship, not a hideout for thieves. He said, a den of thieves. He said, it's a hideout for thieves. What are they stealing? They're stealing the presence of God from your life. You see the thieves in there that are stealing? Whatever it is, that they were doing in there. You say, well, I'm not selling doves. I'm not selling pigeons. I'm not selling oxen. I'm not changing people's money. Really? What's cluttering up your house? 
Is it the pursuit of money? Is it the pursuit of ambitions? Is it the pursuit of saying, I want this for me and God, you're not welcome here? And I'm telling you this, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you that there's one thing Jesus Christ gets fired up about. And that's it. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to change your life. He wants the Holy Spirit to live in you, breathe in you, speak to you, talk to you, spend time with Him. He wants you to be so crazy about the Holy Spirit that you can't wait to get in a worship service. He wants you so crazy about the Holy Spirit that you get up in the morning and you're listening for His voice and your ears are tuned better than your radio station is tuned to a station. The Holy Spirit wants to speak To you, he wants to be a part of your life. And Jesus Christ, the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry, what was he fired up about? He was fired up about the Holy Spirit communicating with you. He wanted to clean out your heart. He wanted to give. Now there are some, how many have ever seen um, the show called, I think it's called Hoarders. I don't know if I've even watched it before. But you know, there are some places you can go into and, and, and it just, it, the restoration is really, there's a, well, there's a lot of restoration, right? It's just been there for so long, so much. Now, now, there's one thing that's worse than a physical house that's like that. When I, when I, before I came to the Lord, I was a hoarder. You say, was your house like that? No, my house was clean. Everything on the outside looked really good. But I was hoarding things in my heart. Man, I was all this pride. I was like, man, I want everybody to look at me a certain way. I want everybody to think I'm this. I want everybody to think I'm that. I care. All I care about is what people think about me. But I could care less what God thought about me. And so I was hoarding. I was in a den of thieves. I was stealing all of God's glory for myself. All of God's glory. So so what do you do? What kind of spirit was I of? The Bible calls it a spirit of mammon. Like, I want more for me. So we can spend our whole life saying, me, me, me. And you can be a dad. And you can have kids that want to spend time with their dad and want to hear I love you from dad or want some correction that they need from dad. But it's like, me. I'm hoarding all that glory, all that responsibility. I'm just doing, I'm just, it's about me. It's all about me. And you say, man, the money changers, man, that's awful. I'd never do that in God's house. But sometimes we spend our whole life chasing a dollar. Now don't get me wrong, we're called to work. He that worketh not, eateth not. Right? God's called us to provide for our families and, and work. That's Part of it. But do you know that you can be like in love with money? What do I mean by that? That means the Bible says in Proverbs, there's a man that has much, but he has no money. And then it says there's a man that has very little, but he's actually very wealthy. You know what that means? That means some people spend all their money so it looks like they have money to everybody else, but they really don't have anything. There's another one that's wise, and he really doesn't try to impress anybody else. He just tries to save his money. You know, you can be a hoarder. Your spiritual house can be exactly like that TV show. 
It could be full of all kinds of piles of things that you've accumulated from this world. And that scripture I just read says it's all going to burn up. So what's it like to get to the end of your life and all I've done is put time into stuff that made me, that I hoarded for myself and I didn't do a single thing for God. I didn't do a single thing for my neighbors. Didn't do a single thing for my family. Everything was about my glory. And so what God wants to do is God wants you to God wants you to recognize that Jesus is passionate about your heart. Your heart, the center of everything you do. You say, well, I want you to think about it. Get off my message for a minute. Just, just don't think about the person around you. I just want you to begin to think. What is the center of my life? If the temple was the center of the whole nation, and that's what God was trying to show us, what is the center of your life? The center of their life was the presence of God in that house. And when they lost that, the nation was quickly destroyed. They just got so off track, so messed up. Just think, what is the center of my life? Yeah, we've got lives outside of the temple. It's all on the outside here. And we're living, we're working, we're doing things for the family. Doing, you know, We're marrying and giving in marriage and working jobs and all these different things. But what is the center of your heart? Is it, man, I love God, and I care about God, and God is in the center of my life, and every decision I make is based on my relationship in that core with God. Everything I do on the outside is based on what's going on that inside, that worship. You know, there are people going in and out making sacrifices, people in and out seeing the presence of God. But on the outside, they had to live lives. But the center was that. Now, I want you to go back to the Pharisee. He made everything look good on the inside, but there was nothing on the outside, but there was nothing on the inside that was focused on God at all. Praise the Lord. So how do we... I've got a lot of notes here, but I don't get around that computer very much. How do we do a house cleaning? Well, the first thing you have to do is if you've been a hoarder, your whole life, and all you've ever done is live for yourself, that's okay. I was there. I was the worst, the chief of all hoarders. Okay, all that glory, all that stuff was in my house. And this is what's called repentance. Like for the first time in your life, say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy life. I've got a job. I've got things I've got to do. But you know what? I want God to be the Lord of my life. And so that initial... Coming to the Lord in repentance and say, all you have to do is say, Lord, I want you to be not only the Savior, but also the Lord of my life. And that's how you clean it out. But here's the thing. Over the course of living for God, we as Christians reclutter our heart. The Bible uh, uses a parable that says, the anxieties and the cares of this world choke out the Word of God. And you know, some will be lost because it's choked out by anxieties and cares of this world. I want you to ask yourself as a Christian, how much clutter is in my life and how well do I even know God? Because it's easy as a Christian to not have the center of your life, your relationship with God. And you know, one day it's going to come, we're accountable for our relationship with God. 
And so you say, well, what do I do if I'm a Christian and I've got a lot of clutter? Refocus. Spring cleaning is what we call it. You haven't been a bad housekeeper. You just had a season where you didn't put things away. You had a season where things weren't swept up. And God's saying, well, that season is now over. Let's clean house. Let's get focused on God again. Let's make God the center of our life again. Let's make the thing. I mean, you know, you've heard the old story about priorities. You take the biggest one first, put it in, the next one second, the next last. Your priorities are mixed up. The biggest things have to go in first, which is your relationship with the Lord, and everything else can be added. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Just bow your heads if you would. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. Father, I'm so thankful for the challenge of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm so thankful for your challenge, Lord. You demonstrated your passion. Your passion for our heart. It says you are jealous for us, Lord. You're jealous for our heart, Lord. Lord, you won't go down easy, Lord God. You will, till the day we die, you'll be wooing us and crying for our heart, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that you minister this message, not just today, but tomorrow. In each heart, Lord God, that you would challenge each person the way I've been challenged. Father, give them the strength to clean, Lord God. I just want to ask, I'm going to say a prayer together. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and repent. Confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. That means that He has control of my life. This is His building, not mine. His opinion is bigger than my opinion. If you've never done that, I want to be be the person to help lead you to that. And I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to say it all together. But I need some kind of acknowledgement. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, I just want to see your hand. Nobody's looking around. I want every eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Very, Very private here. If that's you, you've never given your heart to the Lord. Today can be the day. I want to see that hand. Anybody. Very important. There will only be a limited number of times in your life you have an opportunity to get right with God. That's you today. Let me see your hand. I want you to be able to worship. I want you to be able to release those hands up for the first time. As awkward as I was, the first time I lifted those hands and knew I was right with God. And now that now it finally had purpose in my life. You know, when I lifted my hands and God's spirit began to fill me and I began to worship, I realized this is what God made me for. I mean, no, when you're worshiping, that's when you finally realize why I'm on this earth. Everything starts to come together. If you've never experienced that, today's the day. I just want to see a hand. We're almost done here. Anybody else? See that hand? Put it down. Anybody else? Today's the day. Anybody else? Today's the day. I'm not living for myself. I've hoarded glory and I've, I've stole from God long enough. This is God's building. Anybody else? Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I ask forgiveness for myself. My body is your building. Forgive me of all my sins against you. And I accept you as the Lord of my life today. 
Release me today to worship in your house, not mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now right now, put that faith into action. Maybe you you need a spring cleaning. I'm away from God. Just It's only going to be a few minutes and so we're going to be eating turkey. How much more of a challenge could this be? I get to worship for a few minutes. Breathe turkey and ham and everything I want. But let's take a few minutes to let God be in His house. Maybe for the first time. And I'm going to encourage you. It's going to be awkward. It's going to feel funny. But if you've never raised those hands, I'm just going to tell you, raise them up. It freed me up to worship. My house was finally God's house, not my house, when I lifted my hands. I want to encourage you. Worship God before we eat, and then I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And it'll be a prayer over food. All right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Would bow your heads with me. I'm going to bless the food too. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We are so thankful for your spirit, Lord. Lord, you chose to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray your anointing upon each person, Lord. Lord, that they would experience, Lord, what you intended for all of us to have, Lord God, your presence in, in your house, Lord. Lord, I pray for this food, Lord, the fellowship. Thank you for this time together, Lord. Bless the food, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you see a visitor, let them go.